Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. A real warm welcome to you to Calvary Church, part of the Parish of Calvary St. George's on this last Sunday of Epiphany. In the gospel reading, this is one of those Sundays where all three texts are just amazing to preach on. And uh, so we'll be here for about 60 minutes. And so, um, but um, um, the gospel reading, though, for this Sunday is always the transfiguration. All four gospels have an account of the transfiguration because it left a massive impression upon these three men. Uh, Jesus, whom they had come to know as their rabbi... His appearance literally changed. It metamorphosed, that's the Greek word, right before their very eyes. And he glowed with the glory of God. And not only was this a profound experience, uh, this must have been a terrifying one as well. Uh, This is something we have completely lost as Americans and indeed in the Western world, the terrifying nature of an unmediated God. Uh, We tend to think of God as a giant sky fairy who comes to make all our wishes come true. Uh, That is the God of Walt Disney World, uh, not the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Nor is it the God Moses encountered on top of Mount Sinai. Uh, To encounter the living God is a terrifying, terrifying thing, unmediated. And so what we get in the transfiguration is the experience of the glory of God mediated through the incarnate Son, Jesus. The great Swedish Bishop Bo Geertz, um, and he was a a friend in the 20s and the 30s of the great German higher critic named Rudolf Boltmann, and he rolled in that world and in that um, of criticizing the Bible. And and as a Swedish bishop, and there are lots of bishops today who uh, would criticize the Bible as well. Is it really true, the Jesus of history versus the Jesus of faith? And uh, this literally burnt him out completely. And so why wouldn't it, you know? And so, um, I mean, if this isn't real, count me out. And so um, he goes to Palestine, and he has this profound, on a a sabbatical, and he has this profound experience, because until about 30 years ago, Palestine looked basically the same as it did in Jesus' day. And um, and he has this, basically this reconversion, and as a response, he writes a series of novellas of the events of Jesus, um, uh, told through the, the big events that we know in the New Testament, but told through the experience of different figures who were there, whether it be a Pharisee or one of the disciples. And the book's called uh, Through My Own Eyes. And his account of the transfiguration is through the lens of the disciple John. And he begins and he sets the scene and they're on top of this amazing mountain um, and uh, it says that John wakes up and he thinks that he's overslept because it appears to be daylight. And he rolls over and he sees that it's not daylight, it's Jesus completely transfigured. And Bo writes this, he writes, Jesus' face was changed, his clothes shone like light reflecting off a field of snow. His whole figure was made of light, interwoven and filled by light. A strange, enchanting light that caressed the eye and blinded it. Here's the cool part. It filled one's heart with both joy and dread. 
What's happening here in the transfiguration at this moment is a profound preview of the glory that is to come. And nothing like one like a preview to get one excited about things that are going to come. I mean, I love watching the Super Bowl solely for the commercials and the previews of the summer blockbusters that are going to come out. I mean, are you as excited as I am for Fast and Furious 27? Um, you know, <laughs> I mean, this is the thing. I was just in Disney World last week, and I was in a two-hour line waiting for the goofy airplane ride, and um, <clears throat> that's how I spent my week. And uh, But off on the horizon, you could see them in in Disney World building this thing and it was completely like in a giant box so you can't see it and they're building this thing and I went to, and it looked amazing like whatever it was because it was so big and I went to one of the cast members and I said what's going on off on the horizon and they looked at me and they said oh when you go back to your hotel check out the Disney preview channel so immediately I did and she was like really excited I turned it on and what they are doing is they are building a new the preview was for this new virtual reality Tron ride so that you literally feel like you're on one of those cycles and it's exciting the preview is so exciting that I can't wait to go and experience the real thing in 2021 and spend all of my savings once again but anyway that is uh, but the point is is that previews should get you excited And that's what the transfiguration is. It's a preview of the things that are to come. And Moses and Elijah are present for that very reason. Not only are they the embodiment of the entirety of the Old Testament, Moses who embodies the law and Elijah who embodies the prophets, bearing witness to the glory they long to see. You can't get the glory from Moses. You're not going to get the glory from the prophets. This is what they longed to see. This is what they pointed to. And I love how Luke talks about it. He says that they're there and they can hear uh, Moses and Elijah speaking with Jesus about his departure. In the Greek word, it's his exodus and how he's going to fulfill both of them. And don't forget, Moses and Elijah have been long dead at this moment. I mean, the last time we heard about Moses in the Bible was at the end of the Pentateuch. And there he is. He can't even get into the promised land. He's left there on the hills of Moab only to look into it, where he disappears from the pages of Scripture. The center figure of Judaism is gone after the first five books. And there he is, what he has been longing for. They've long dead. They died centuries before Jesus. Yet they are alive and well and in Jesus. So this event, the transfiguration, we're given a preview of the glory of Jesus that is to come. And with the glory of Jesus, the presence of Moses and Elijah, we're given a preview of the resurrection when Christ will appear and raise the dead, giving those who have lived by faith in him eternal life. This is my first point. The transfiguration is a preview. It's a preview of the eternal glory of the eternal Son of God beaming through his humanity. The transfiguration is a preview, wrap your mind around this, of the infinite revealing himself in the finite. It's also a preview of the fact that in Jesus, death is not the end. But as we pray in our funeral service, death is conquered 
and transformed. And now resurrection for you, Christian, is your reality. This isn't the full movie. Just a preview. And it's a preview to, in order to assure Peter, James, and John that the rabbi in their midst, and just in case you hold this view as well, that the rabbi whom they saw is so much more than just a great religious teacher whose example we should all try and follow and emulate. I mean, come on, try and transfigure yourself. That was supposed to be really funny. I got a huge laugh at St. George's, but anyway. Now, Peter, like all of us, when we have a spiritual moment, he wants to preserve it. Enshrine it with three tents. Maybe pilgrims will flock to it and visit it someday. We did last year on a Holy Land pilgrimage. And let me tell you, the hummus alone is worth going back for. It's a spiritual experience there. But a a lot of people here, what's being taught here is that a lot of us, we get wrapped up into a spiritual experience. And then what happens is, is that we subscribe to Goop and we become spiritual experience chasers always looking to relive that moment when we felt a little spiritual electricity. You know? However, when it comes to spiritual experiences, there's a lesson being taught here. Notice, it's only three of the disciples who experienced the transfiguration. Three of the twelve. Not all of the twelve. Only three of the twelve. And the lesson being taught here is faith isn't made, nor is it sustained by a spiritual experience. The transfiguration is a very important lesson because Jesus is preparing the disciples and all of us actually for the next mountain that's to come. And that mountain is going to be anything but glorious. That next mountaintop, which is Calvary, it's going to be I tell you, man, there's transfiguration is happening here. But on the next mountain, instead of light, there's going to be darkness. Instead of life, there's going to be death. Instead of glory, there's going to be defeat. Instead of a voice from heaven, there's going to be silence. The transparent glory of the transfiguration... It thrusts us, it thrusts us to the hidden glory of Christ's victory over sin and death by becoming your sin and dying on the cross for you. And this is my second point, and it's really important. Shine Jesus, shine spiritual experience Jesus. That Jesus will not save you. Jesus, I mean, Jesus saves by emptying himself of his power and glory by becoming your sin. He who knew no sin became sin so that he might die for you on a cross and you then might become the righteousness of God. In America, we love the shiny Jesus. In America right now, gear up for it because we're going to love the red Jesus, we're going to love the purple, the purple Jesus, and we're going to love the blue Jesus. We love the power Jesus who invites us into partnership, 
so that we can feel good about ourselves and what we're doing, and at least we're not like those people over there. Let me tell you, the American Jesus is nothing more than enshrined afterglow. That is not the Jesus of the gospel. The Jesus that saves, the Jesus who gives you the gift of faith to see you through whatever life throws at you and bears your sin and conquers your death and by his work alone justifies us before the Father, that is the Jesus who's on a hill called Calvary, crucified for you. That's the Jesus who saves And sometimes, let me tell you, it can be a tingly experience. Sometimes, it can like be wondrous. But most of the time, and I mean most of the time, it is just simply a promise that gets you through the night. This is why the transfiguration ends. This is why the only thing left on the mountain is Jesus. And from heaven they heard a voice. The same voice they heard at Jesus' baptism, the first Sunday after Epiphany. It's bookended for us. Because we need to hear this voice over and over again. And the same simple message, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And it goes on to say right here on the mountain, Listen to him. The Christian faith, the Christian faith is not primarily about experience and action. The Christian faith is about good news that is heard and then received. Faith that saves you comes by hearing. And this is good news because you don't have to go looking for Jesus. Hear Jesus speak to you. Hear him in the word preached that absolves your sins. Hear him in the promise that comes in water by baptism. Hear him in the promises that will come to you in a moment in bread and wine. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. And as I just said, while you may not always tingle... Why, you may not always have a charge, my sisters and brothers, when you hear this word, or as St. Peter calls it in his second epistle, the prophetic message more fully confirmed. You will never be left the same. For these words, as St. Paul writes, are the power of God unto salvation. These words, these promises, whether you feel it or not, transfigure you as well. St. Paul says, from glory to glory, by the Spirit being renewed, by the transforming, the renewal of your mind in Christ Jesus. On the last day, let me tell you, because this is where the rubber hits the road. On the last day, when you rise from the dead physically, you also will be transfigured and it will be glorious. I love how C.S. Lewis says, if we were to see ourselves resurrected, we might be inclined to worship. But now, we have to hear it, and we receive it, and faith is created 
in us, that just as the divinity of Jesus was present in the midst of the weakness of his humanity, so now our new nature, fully redeemed, is hidden under the weakness of our own mortal flesh. And this is my third point. You may not see it, and you may not experience it. But let me proclaim to you, there are glimpses of God's glory shining through you, dear Christian. And it is probably riddled and marred with sin and doubt and fear and pride. But nevertheless, it doesn't change God's word. And we are not following cleverly devised myths. This is what St. Peter writes. We're not following cleverly devised myths. This isn't Sybil. This isn't Artemides. This isn't Goop. This is real history in real time, real places. And so, it doesn't change God's word. The fact that as we hear that prophetic message more fully confirmed and are attentive to it, Christ who is in us, is transforming us. He's renewing us. He's metamorphing us into his image from the inside out. And as the old you dies, believe me, the new you in Christ is resurrected. And the truth is, is that this experience in this age, this life, it's not the be-all, end-all. And sometimes being conformed into the image of Christ is no fun. Who wants to die? Especially day by day as we die to our pride, as we die to our sin, as we die to our own control. That's awful. But the good news is, is that God raises you from the dead to live in the righteousness not of your own, but the righteousness of Christ. And never forget this, no matter how difficult, no matter how silent, no matter how bleak it may seem, you have been given a promise, the power of God unto salvation, and your circumstances cannot change that. And so what this means is that your future will always be glorious. As glorious as Jesus shining on the mountain, as glorious as Jesus right now reigning at the right hand of the Father. So go forth, nourished by his body and blood, nourished by his word, and let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.